welcome to the Area 61 Podcast, where we explore the unknown. Everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Area 61 podcast. I am your host, Brenton Birdall, and I am joined today by my partners in crime up north. First off, we have Thor. Hello, Thor. Hey. Thor is currently working on corking a bottle of 10-year-old Talisker. We've had uh, one other of the Talisker line. We've had the Talisker Storm. Athena came across this in her travels. She thought we went... We might like it. We have a Talisker tenure tonight. Um, next to Thor, we have, um, of course, Dr. B. Top of the evening to you. Top of the evening to you. We are here, uh, coming to you from the uh, from the mountaintop studio. Um, welcome, gentlemen. It's been too long. It has. It has. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Definitely have. Well, a little update probably would be um, in order. How's life treating you? Dr. B. Life is good. Yeah? Life is good. Enjoying the winter? Cold, snowy winter. Uh, A lot of wind, uh, but uh, beautiful up north. We were talking about it. um, Mild mild winter, more severe. Kind of just... What do you think? Oh... How do you think? How's that? I got a little smoke on the end of that one. First, first drink of Talisker there? I can oh. smell the smoke. Yeah, it's a smoker. It's been Not a, as much as a storm. Maybe. It's, been a terrible, it's been a terrible season from where I come from. It's been cold. It's been windy. It's been dark. I think we're finally pulling out of like the... You have the holidays and everybody's happy. And then, and then the holidays just kind of move, move through. And then everybody's just kind of left with winter, you know? And you guys have a bunch of fun things to do in the winter here, but it's still brutal. It is brutal. brutal. The cabin fever, like I was saying before, yeah. There's like a toughness that gets instilled in people that that live up here. I mean, it's it's like a mental toughness. Kids, I I look at my kids and they don't even think about it, you know. And I didn't think about it when I was young, but when you get older, man, that January February month, yeah. So, so here we are, bottle of Talisker ten year, um, from a remote cabin, undisclosed. What do we got? The oldest distillery in the Scottish Isles. That's where this comes from. Yes, it says made by the sea. It's a ruggedly maritime, time, mm. sweet smoke, peat and pepper. A very smoky. made by the sea. She's got a lot of smoke. He does. Wolfda. Smoking gun. That is a smoking thing there. Wow. Made by the sea. 
That's probably the smokiest scotch I've ever. I think that's, I've ever tasted. That, that I think it is. No, I get the. What's the other one? It begins with L. I've got a Lagavulin. Yeah, Lagavulin. Yeah. Ooh, no, not the Lagavulin. The. Uh, oh, come on. Go ahead. So a normal pastime for up our up or us up northerners is pretty much drinking your way through the January month. It's pretty much all you can do. So you come home. You go to work in the dark. Most of us, we come home in the dark. I can't even pronounce that. Laugh a frog. I I have to go to the YouTube pronunciation to get it. <coughs> but that that's a bottle of smoke. <laughs> so we've been dealing with, I've been dealing with a lot of snow. I've been dealing with a lot of like, you know, property upkeep, kids, getting places in the morning. Kind of can be, a, you know, it's a bit of a grind. So. Tis the season. Tis the season. Thor might plead the fifth on that. You might plead the fifth on that? Yeah. Sure. For safety reasons. Yeah. 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 No, not me. We've been, you know. Thor has been pushed to his limit. You've been pushed to your limit? <laughs> yeah. The hammer has fallen. The hammer. Thor's the hammer has nearly has slipped from Thor's hand this year. From, well, yeah. and hit, oh, no. And hit the toe. Yeah. <laughs> the toe of who? <sighs> Thor. Athena. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. You don't want to drop the hammer on Athena's toe, believe me. I don't want to drop anything on Athena anywhere. No, I want to. We keep Athena happy around mm-hmm. here. So we went for a little snowmobile ride a couple nights ago, and we stopped. And he said, he shut the lights off on the sleds. And we are probably, I don't know, five, six feet apart. And we couldn't see. I couldn't see him. We can't see each other. I can testify to that. It was scary. So then I started thinking. You know, you kind of take this place for granted a little bit, but just how vast it is and how terribly screwed you would be if you were stuck up on the hill there. Well, Thor can testify to that, too. (laughs) (laughs) You can testify to you because that's why you showed me. You said this is where I had to walk. And I I instantly thought there was like, you know, not being from the woods or being in the woods a lot. I'm just a city slicker. So city slickers, when things get weird out in the woods, you instantly think there's like four wolves just waiting for you. There was probably more than four. See, that's the type of stuff that I'm talking about. And as we're riding through, you know, uh, the trails in the woods, I'm thinking just like how close, like it's our hobby to pretty much just dangerously put ourselves out there. You're kind of like taunting it, you know? It's like you're taking this machine you're relying on it. In the daytime, you're looking at the most beautiful things you can see, but at night, you're kind of just out there like taunting Mother Nature. It's like there's really no reason anyone should be out here. Yeah. We're not hunting for food. We're not gathering anything. We're not delivering things. We're not Unless you're Thor. Unless you're Thor. Yeah, you have a reason to be out there. Yeah, Thor. But I'm saying like for fun, I just think it's I think it's interesting. And in in the Area 60, you know, Area 61 is it's kind of different too because you have this you know the largest lake in the world which is the scariest and the most dangerous which we've talked about in the past and then right across this road named highway 61 you have i guess what would you call this would you call this a mountain well it's lutzen's mountain lutzen it's lutzen it's, it's, mountain it is the sawtooth mountains so it's the sawtooth mountains so we'll call it the mountains it is actually listed as a mountain range. It's the Sawtooth Mountains of Minnesota. So you have the scary kind of maritime, you know, sea almost danger-esque feel of 
the ships that sink, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do have a snow line here. There's a vast difference from in a hundred yards right. going going up the hill and how much snow you will receive, and everything changes when you go up that hill. So it's. I mean, I stepped off the trail today on accident, and I was up to my waist in snow. Like, mm-hmm. you're not. I was thinking about that when we had stopped, and the lights were off too. I, you're not navigating through a forest in that. Like, what would you do? Like, you would not be able to navigate waist-high snow when it was that dark. And I know the darkness probably had a lot to do with we were under kind of a tree-covered uh, or a snow-covered tree canopy. So I know that played into it. But it just gives there's a, it gives you a respect for the people that came before us that lived out in this and, like, didn't have electricity didn't have any of the safety features that we have that we take for granted and people lived here then you know and there was a lot more wildlife here then than there is now right so i mean you were fighting with wildlife you were fighting with mother nature but i mean what a place that the danger like especially when the sea like when the when uh storm season comes through and you see the breakers on the on the lake and then you head up the mountain and you know you guys have a wolf nearby and it's kind of just a nonchalant Oh, did you see the wolf? No, I didn't see the wolf. I think I'm he, sitting here like, what? I think he and Dr. B have had a few conversations in the last couple oh, of weeks. Yeah. We share a beer or two in the afternoons, and uh, Wolfie's on his way. You you sitting in your lawn chair out at the end of your driveway there, and yeah, just you take a swig, and then you got the wolf bowl. You give him a little, yeah. give him a little pour. He oh, slurps yeah, a little bit yeah. up. Comes <laughs> up, stop by. Willie the wolf. Willie, yeah. how you doing, bud? He's got some minor problems with his wife, and uh, is that yeah, why he's always try, roaming we around? Try to work it out, walking yeah. it off. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, sometimes women need Before their space. Before he goes back to the den. Yeah, back to the, that's probably what's going on with him. Yeah, he's having a bit of, you know, den fever. Yeah, the pups just won't let off. Yeah, oh, they just don't stop, do they? <laughs> so I just thought it was interesting how nonchalantly you guys talked about the wolf. Like, oh, if you come across the wolf. Yeah, he probably won't even pay attention to you. Nah. He's like an arrogant wolf that doesn't want to be your friend. Like, you know? Kind of hurts my feelings. Good looking guy. You have the luckiest dogs on earth. Yeah. <laughs> like how? We, we There's got to be a we f- fade down, the, wa- down yeah. the road. You know, like how have, how have they survived? I mean, that's a delicious meal. Yeah. If you're a wolf. I would, when we shut the lights off on the snowmobile, I would have ate the dogs probably. I was like, oh. yeah. <laughs> we're in survival mode now. So they must be eating well. There must be a pretty good like amount of rabbits and squirrel. and I mean, you you know what I mean? Yeah. Or every pet in a 10-mile radius you think would be slim, easy pickings well, for I'm a wolf. Standing in my garage the other day, I see a snowshoe hair tearing up the driveway yeah. at full speed ahead and i'm thinking what's he what's running jason from? what's he running from yeah and i had to laugh because it was about half the size of dr b's wiener dog it was a it was a little <laughs> yeah. pine marten I mean, jason a snowshoe hair. we have one behind the my shop oh there's a hair back there really yeah so here comes this little pine marten chasing their snowshoe hair he's half the size of the snowshoe but he was in full pursuit Pine Martin was up the up the trail before you get onto the uh, Lutes and Access up there. Yeah, uh, Martins are nasty though. Oh yeah, yeah. they're oh, oh yeah, they're, they're like, That's they're like the, ferocious. They kill with a vengeance. They pull yeah. the head off and suck the blood out of whatever they kill. You know. Yeah. They we had a chicken coop. They'd pull them right out of the chicken wire and yeah. suck the blood right out of the chickens. They're delicious. 
<laughs> the chickens are? No, the pine martins. Oh, the pine martins are delicious? When I get stuck at night, I have to find something to eat. <laughs> on I, your walk back from the groomer? Yeah, you know, they go well on a wiener roasting stick, so you just pop one on there and roast away. I've eaten squirrel. Well, I uh, You haven't eaten until you've eaten pine martin. I'm down to try pine martin, like a nice pine martin stew, you know, maybe a biscuit with it. Ooh. I'd really like to try a fisher, but they're kind of big on Crispy them. martins. Yuck. It's a weasel. It's like a rat. But so is a squirrel, right? Well, you, so have to, you have to ruin it for me, don't you? Well, no, I'm not trying to ruin your... I'm not trying to mess with your... Cuisine. Wild, your wildlife cuisine. This has been Wildlife Cuisine Minute with Thor. I, 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 they may be endangered, but fishers are delicious. Oh, I would have okay. liked the bunny, he wouldn't too, care. but the bunny was kind of good, too. But. What happens on the hill stays on the hill. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We don't tell. All right, Dr. B, let's get into it. Let's get into what everybody comes here for. Let's get into the weird and wild. We have a close-to-home story. Do you want to tell it? What about kind of like a personal account over well, Christmas? We had a little bit of a weird thing happen right here in the studio. Well, as as we've talked about before, this place, is, we've always talked about this as being the gateway for between the, maybe the the people that have passed or the, the maybe the animals that have passed. And as a gateway, they come through here, and they they've at, when they're here, they're alive and they can function. Well, we left for Christmas, and we have a one of those Christmas counters where you take the beads and you you count the beads for every day until the twenty fifth of Christmas. And we hopped in the car and we headed for our Christmas getaway. And Athena gets in the car and goes, "Oh no, I didn't flip the beads." Well, our, our dog from the past absolutely loved that Christmas thing. Every day she would have to get up and watch you flip that bead, and it was an obsession. You couldn't get a day without doing that. Well, we get back from Christmas, and guess what? The 24th and the 25th were both flipped over on the deal, and I was like, explain that one to me. Creepy. Yeah. That, but you've had stuff happen with this dog before, right? Oh, yeah. There's there's a list. This wasn't just any dog. Yeah. Stog was featured on the news, oh, yeah. ESPN. Oh yeah, world I mean, news. It wasn't just any. It wasn't just your normal dog. World news tonight. You guys have had a handful of incidents having to do with the dog, right? Yeah, quite a few. And there's even been strange, like <coughs> even strange dreams. Uh, this dog, her number was uh, always associated with number eight because that was her jersey number. And oh, this was. A few years after we were here, I dreamt that the this guy shows up in a jersey with number 78 on his jersey, and he says, I'm here to take care of your dog. Well, the dog was passed. And as the do- guy walks away, I see on the back of his jersey, I see his name on the jersey. And the name on the back of the jersey is Whetstone. And that didn't really mean anything to me at the time. But then... A few days later, I went back and looked, and uh, this this guy was a a football player for the team that the the dog the jersey that the dog would wear. It was an NDSU oh. jersey. Well, it just so happened this guy passed away. He was a football player, and he passed away from cancer the day after the NDSU Bison won a national championship in 1988. So there was two eights that, and his jersey and the dream was 78. 
And it just and he showed just, up in your dream. And he showed up in my dream, and he walked away with the dog, and he says, "I'm here to take care of your dog now." And it's like, well, explain that. And then I did a little research on it, and I find out that this guy died in 1988, one day after the Bison won the national championship. And I was like, that's pretty odd. Yeah, the number eight. Yeah, the eight showed up twice. It was the 1988 national championship that the Bison had won. And I had no recollection of this at all. I just didn't. And You kind of figured it out after the Yeah, after researching it and looking up NDSU football, and I looked up, whetstone and here it comes this guy would die to leukemia one day after the bison won their wow. national championship in 1988 so it was like and here he walked away with my dog hmm. he says i'm here to, i've got your dog now was that when you lived here yes yeah the dreams like i just keep talking i i have the craziest dreams here yeah yeah i had a weird one last night it's i and i don't dream i've mentioned it many times so I don't normally dream. I haven't dreamed for years. So when I come here and I dream, like it affects me for 15, 20 minutes after I wake up. They're very vivid. Yeah. I have to just kind of, this morning I sat up and I was just like, I really, it's one of those dreams where you think, when you know it's real. Yeah. And then you wake up and you're like, oh, thank God. But it was a bad, it wasn't a good dream, but I was, it was one of those ones where you're fully immersed. Like you were making decisions. Yeah. You know? And it just, I don't know if it's the fresh air that I get while I'm here, probably. Yeah. So, my visor was broken on the snowmobile, so I got lots of fresh air. Yes, he did. I had to ride open visor for a little while. And it was only like 5, 10 below. Yeah, we were only doing 30, 35. So. Hey. Yeah, there's no wind chill at 35 at 10 no. below. Not a bit. My face feels, I've, I could pretty much, after the sauna that we went to, we went into a 200 degree sauna, 198 degrees, till you can't stand it, and then you go outside and you throw cold water on yourself, and it was it was awesome. It was one of the best experiences I've ever had. It was something happens to you when the cold water hits you. I don't know if you ever take like, like a really cold shower on accident or you hit the thing, but it like affects you like instantly. It's almost like your body thermogenesis. Thermogenesis. Well, Doctor B. There is one good thing about that. They say that does raise your testosterone level. I feel manlier today. Yeah, you are you much look, manlier. You look pretty stiffy yeah. today. I, did, I was you sh- just saying that. You I shaved your beard off this morning, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it grew back. Out. Yeah, it's all back. Yeah. All right. Well, what is that? Well, who cares? We get lots of creepy oh, noises. I see. Is that what's going on over there? Yeah, it's the... Uh, Thank God. It's the the fan dangler? I'll leave it. I alone. thought that was the dog tail under the table. Ooh. All right. Well, enough of the chit-chat. Let's get down to business. Dr. B, what do you got for us? So, uh, about a month ago, um, my wife and I were fortunate enough to see Northern Lights uh, about 2.30 in the morning. And uh, I believe... What the hell are you doing up at 2.30 in the morning? Well, I'll I, I tell you, uh, I think thanks to Athena, I think that's where this came from, I got the uh, Aurora app. Oh, so there is an Aurora app, and uh, it will be set up according to where you live, geographic location, and then it will give you alerts when this, the conditions are favorable that you may see uh, 
That's pretty cool. The Northern Lights. I didn't know about that. Yeah, it, in in you know it's probability. I I, I can't remember. Feel what free the, to download what the it. Cut off. Yeah. You bring all the good stuff. You brought the the Alien website last time. I I checked that out regularly. Now we have what is it Aurora? The yeah, Aurora it's just app. It's just Aurora for Aurora Borealis. That's it. Right. So you know, in in keeping of the spirit of that, I started reading a little bit about it because I was kind of interested in, you know, what it, what exactly is the cause of this and not to get real heavy into uh, uh, heliophysics, astrophysics and all that kind of stuff that yeah, let's uh, not get real that determines heavy that, but uh, just a basic background on it. So from, from what I can uh, gather from this, all of the originating source of the energy is dealing with the sun and solar winds. And solar winds, uh, by definition, is basically plasma. And plasma, if you look, not plasma, blood plasma, but plasma as one of the states of matter, solid, liquid, gas, and plasma. Plasma is recognized as an ionized gas. So it's basically these ionized particles that are thrown off from the sun and the common name being solar winds. And uh, the stream of particles consists of uh, electrons and protons and alpha particles, all kinds of kinetic energy. And they go flying through space uh, around major planets like Earth, Saturn, uh, I think Jupiter, uh, because those planets of what they're made of, uh, they exert uh, a, a gravitational field. So the larger planets and larger particles in space have certain amount of gravitational fields associated with them. And a, and, mag and a magnetosphere. Yes, and that is the characteristic term that each of these planets have. So when this these... This is where everything you're explaining is kind of... This is where it's all taking place, is what you're saying. This is what causes it. Okay. Yeah. So these this is a reaction. Okay. These solar winds and these particles go flying across space, and when they come to Earth or a planet that has a gravitational field or a magnetosphere, which is the end product of a gravitational uh, field, um, it deflects these. It's not like rain on the on a table. It goes around this planet and bends at the top of it uh, and shoots out the back in a so it's like kind of it's kind of magnetically handling it from one end of the of the planet and then around its its gravitational field kind of just I, I could imagine like a like a ball hitting a planet and it kind of encompassing the whole planet going to the other side and kind of shooting out the other side right like yeah. it's just kind of working its way that's why you only see it on the northern in southern hemisphere right. is because of the so are we seeing it are, are we seeing it when it's hitting us or when it's so sorry go on you the the key area of this it's deflecting around the north and the south uh, just like you would hold a ball underneath water it wouldn't penetrate through the ball it would go around the top of it right the bottom of that's it. a good analogy so what you're having when these particles go by is they're interacting with the particles associated with Earth, and those specifically are oxygen and nitrogen. And when these charged particles run into those particles, they start interacting. And depending on 
what part of what element it is oxygen or nitrogen what level it is in the atmospheres can dictate what color it is so you can have anything from red pink blue white purple uh, and the famous green yeah, yeah. The green is the most prominent and all of that varies with the layer and what element that this these solar particles are blowing through and so it's actually creating an explosion it's no, with the gas it's, no it's more a, of a chemical reaction it's oh, interactions okay. and you're talking yeah. photons of energy these yeah. things are excited sure. it's kind of like and they're like all a, ionized right kinda, yeah it's more like a photograph I mean, more like a re- oh, when you're sure. developing a photo i mean you're developing it's like the silver halides well this is a, it's a reaction similar to what happens when you're developing an old photo the metaphors are magical tonight guys i the, of, i you're right a photograph that's exactly what i mean that's what it's doing is yeah. it's essentially developing it's a chemical a, reaction essentially yeah. yep and whatever gas it's creating or whatever the chemical whatever it's coming in contact with is well, much we, like if you threw something not like a fire but if you threw certain elements into a fire they would yeah. burn a certain color well, i think it's like playing marbles you're throwing oh. a bunch of marbles into a, a you know two accumulation areas of marbles and, and you're getting all these things that are uh you know, playing so bumper car color, with one another. Is the color of the sun reflecting off of it or the moon? No, or no, no, not at all. No, no. no. Yeah, it's no. So it's like charged, like it's putting off a oh, glow. Yeah. These are particles that right. are reacting with our atmosphere I mean, is yeah. what it is. all it is. Sure, sure. Just yeah. a reaction. Magnetic particles? You could, or is that what you're saying? Well, no, we're well, talking the, photons, electrons. Sure. These are charged, the ionized particles. Right. And, and these are the winds of space. Yep, these what the blow sun. through space. Yeah, you know you when you look at pictures of the sun and you... When you when they close and you see these things shooting up, and those are the solar storms. Sure. And right now we're in in what they call a solar minimum. So there's actually less uh, northern light activity now than there would be in times when we're not in a solar minimum. Uh, there, you know, they talk about sunspots, and that's what the entire uh, farmers' almanac bases their forecasts on is sunspot activity and. Really. Yeah, that's I what they're. That's, that. I that's, own a that's farmer's their, almanac. I didn't that, know that. That's what they base their entire philosophy of what your winters are going to be like and where they're going to be like is based upon sunspot activity, and that's what our all of our northern lights are based upon is sunspot activity because uh, those when the when the sun is more active, there's uh, you have more sunspots. Right, more and solar activity. Yeah, and when we're less active, there's less solar activity, so less sunspots. Okay. Uh, it's just... So you were you got your notification from Aurora. You stepped outside, and you're like, what, what color were the ones that you... This was all uh, all white, you know, kind of a very faint blue. Okay, How, and this was recently... Went on for 45 minutes, and uh, really... Uh, were they folding and dancing and doing no, what they do? No, uh, it, some of it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't that vivid green, the classic yeah. look. But the interesting thing that, that I thought was, uh, you know, it, it encompassed almost half of the sky, you know, going directly overhead and extending, obviously, to the north. Uh, but, you know, very, very uh, vast in in. And an yeah. interesting and an interesting thing when I talked about the photograph thing is that in a night where you, all you see is a dull, uh, say a dull white northern lights, if you take your phone now and photograph that, it's going to photograph and it's going to show the green. 
and it's going to be in a very intense green if you take your phone and hmm. try and photograph that. Really? So some, the phone somehow uh, produce or processes, processes that light that that green that you're that you're not seeing it it takes and processes that because i've done that on nights where you barely see you know what's going on yeah but you can go out and take your phone and shoot it and it it's it's, it's green yeah it's more sensitive than you are to yeah the, than the yeah, human eye is. than the eye is. and then it processes it and you yeah. look at it yeah so it's it's kind of interesting <clears throat> where i grew so, up way of testing to see is it really northern lights or what am i seeing right well, that if it shows up green it's northern lights i grew up about 45 miles south of the turtle mountains which is uh botno north dakota and like the canadian border mm-hmm. and uh i witnessed northern lights so vivid uh on two different occasions i was with my mother that um she was like yeah, it, that that talisker really kicks, doesn't it? it I like it. I kind of do too. It's growing on me. Oh, I really like. But uh, there was it. a time it, when it, my mom. It just needs ice. Where we had uh, we had counted like five or six different colors. They were blue, going into purple, into green, but it was so intense that it literally felt like it was right on top of us. Yeah. I remember being afraid of it. I was afraid of. Oh, you, you you can imagine with native, you know, Native Americans and. People that have seen that for the first time must be just absolutely shocking. I was just kind of going off of like, I, we ignored them a lot. We didn't, you know, now if I seen Northern Lights, I would stop and look at them. When I was younger, they were so frequent where I lived that um, we didn't even really pay attention to them anymore. But there was one night I can remember vividly when they were literally like folding over each other through the sky. And it was like someone had was flapping it was like they were folding to different colors. Oh, yeah. It was like, it just didn't seem like regular northern lights. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. And in, in years that you have Makes higher, the hair stand up on my back. Solar activity, you're, you're going to have a lot more frequently. You know, a lot of people come up to this region and want to see northern lights, but they're not seeing them like they do because of the solar minimum we're in. Right. So I have a feeling you have more in store for us. So I have a feeling you're going to make this creepy somehow. Well, yeah, well, turn a corner with it. And, you know, I was kind of intrigued with the whole thing. And then I went back to the app and trying to, you know, see exactly what that app offered. And it it really is, uh, you know, pretty inclusive on all the information that someone who follows, uh, you know, Aurora Borealis uh, would want to know. The things the app include is like the KP index, the viewing probability, the cloud coverage, the KP over the next hour, the uh, in hours to come, solar wind speed, solar density, and something called BZ and BT levels. So, you know, not to go in it too extensively, I, I looked up what is the KP index. And that really is something that describes the disturbance in the Earth's magnetic field caused by these solar winds. And the indices on this are from zero to nine. So usually you'll get an alarm about three or four. You know, it'll say the KP index is usually hangs out below that three or four. Normally, yeah. Normally? Yeah. yeah. And, okay. and if you're not having if, lights, you're not. Three or four is where it's, like you're saying, it starts to. Threshold. Yeah, yep. I'll get a ding, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, it'll vary the ability to see it with cloud cover and, you know, whatever the factor, other factors could be. But um, the interesting part of this is um, 
these indexes are also um, an indication. Um, NOAA, uh, the uh, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, have, have even put their little spin to this. So instead of being zero to nine, they have a scale, a G scale, a G one through four, but really one through five. And that is associated with um, these KP levels. So an interesting thing happens um, or can happen when you start throwing all these ionized particles at the Earth in terms of what it can and how it can interact with things like satellites in the sky, uh, in space, uh, radio waves, um, computers, cell phones, um, any type of motor uh, or anything electrical that exists in our present culture. And, uh, you know, for example, they on a, on a G2, uh, let's say a G3, a strong level, which would be equivalent to a KP of 7, you might have voltage connections maybe change or get false alarms on some protective uh, devices, uh, intermittent satellite interruptions. And this is at KP what? Um, this was at KP7. Now, you oh. know, that's high. Uh, but even the minor stuff, um, you know, they, they even say something like migratory animals are affected by this at higher levels. Uh, wow. It, uh, there's always the chance of uh, impacting satellite operations, uh, even to the point where these, uh, if we get heavy solar winds, it'll, they'll have to do satellite corrections uh, in, the, in the orbits that they take because of the effects of these things. Well, if I remember right, not too long ago in Canada, there was a, we just a had so, solar we wind that it knocked out uh, all yeah, communications. This was, not that, that was in Quebec yeah. in uh, 1989. Uh, there was also a big scare in 2012. Not yeah. Um, not too long ago, 1989, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well... In um, Thor time. In Thor time, yeah. Thor time. No, but I, I, there, um, I remember hearing, the only time I've ever really heard about this, just to, to kind of an outside perspective, I did hear on the news one time, and it wasn't that long ago, that there was a large amount of solar activity, and that, it, there was a good, that we were monitoring it, and that it could affect cell phone towers. Yep. And, and uh, GPS, I worked for a GPS company at the time, and I got... We got a memo, a corporate memo that came through um, that pretty much said we're at, and I might even have been the KP index. They said we're at a high risk level. If we see any disturbances, please report them. We had like a special team and shit that, that pretty much was like monitoring the situation. So that's pretty cool. I, I never really, you know, so, in one ear out the other. I'm just a normal guy. Yeah. You know, these are basically the, the concern with these things you know solar winds are always going on it's a natural thing yeah. but the fluctuations in these are really kind of attributed to a a, a broader category which is the geomagnetic storm uh, idea and that in itself um they they believe um that there's a disturbance on in the sun um, especially known as a cme which is a coronal mass Ejection. ejection, yeah, not an ejaculation, an ejection. That would have been fitting. There, there. you go. Yeah, 
but these things can occur and they spit out these big let's say gusts of solar wind <laughs> and uh, you know throw the spitball at the earth the spitball and let me just that's responsible for a major can be responsible for major adage well so, just just let me add to this no these things happen but you have to understand if we didn't have the, the magnetosphere these solar winds would fry the earth they would they would hit the earth without the protection of the magnetosphere it would it would end life on earth because we're hit by it constantly and there's some of these ejections that would be so strong they would just fry us so we're you know on planet earth we're pretty fortunate to have a magnetosphere yeah it's good but to I, have that but i mean if you go up to mars mars is a dead planet you Mar mars has that. no no uh magnetosphere left and i think that that's if you look at why mars is a dead planet i think mars at one point was a live planet but when everything when the when the planet lost it the, the whole planet doesn't have a molten core and the molten core with the the metal that you know, we have metal at the center of our core and it's molten and that's what creates our magnetosphere mars that isn't there anymore and mars has lost its protection so if you look at mars you look at where it's obvious that water flowed across mars at one point and and they've found microbes on earth that are from mars and there was probably life on mars at one point but when mars lost its magnetos is its poles and its magnetosphere it it became a dead planet and eventually that will probably happen to planet earth too but it's probably a long way down the road but that, that that's just a side to know how important yeah. that these these beautiful northern lights without a mag without a magnetosphere could be deadly. This planet's done. So you're pretty much seeing the magnetosphere protect. That is the our planet. that is our. Protection. That's what aurora borealis is. That that's protection. So I mean, it's well, like it's a resort of the interactions a, of yeah, solar a, winds right. and the magnetosphere. So it's an indicator that it's happening. Right, it's not necessarily directly what's happening, but and they're more likely to happen during that time. And you, th and it's crazy to think that there's a whole solar magnetic storm system going it, on. It's, up there. it's called symbiosis. We get along with one another right now, but eventually, at some point, we aren't going to get along with one another, and the Earth will fry. Sure, the sun will will take care of us. But well, we'll be off to another planet long before that. Yeah, and we weren't going to care here. Elon will have yeah. us in, like, planet 132 Zenith. Yeah. Like, we'll already, we'll burn through three planets by then. You know, and then. I'm thinking about getting my own planet. We'll just kind of morph into, I know Dr. B has more stuff, but this has always been the thought. What would you think Northern Lights were if you didn't know what Northern Lights were? I yeah. mean, think of the natives and the people that, existed on this planet long before we knew what it was it was aliens maybe. there's yeah i mean there's explanations are endless i mean as to what they thought they were ancient was, astronaut theorists say they, yes yeah. <laughs> but when i was scared when i was seven years old with my mom i didn't know what they were but i knew that they were but i wasn't but i wasn't afraid of them i wasn't running away from them actively because everyone had just acted that they were like they like like i'd seen people react to them and that they were beautiful and that they were sought after and that they were normal but imagine being the first you know 
when I was a kid, people they didn't know what they were. They said it was the it was the sun reflecting off, off the, of polar, the, the polar uh, ice caps. Yeah, uh, and I was like, no, it. You know what? I think that's the story that I got too. I think I, I got. I think I got that in school. I think I got that in school too. I think that's what my and I always was told that it was the mountain. It was the sunlight reflecting off of the Turtle Mountains. Or some, well, it had something to do with up there. Yeah, well. Like, that doesn't make any sense. They got Lake Metagoshi up there. It's like a slough. Yeah. They wouldn't well, have been reflecting off of that now. But it, it, when I was a kid, I remember that was the explanation. It was the, the lights were reflecting off the polar ice caps. So KP7, we start we start having some problems. Well, I, you can have interferences just with the minor stuff. Really? Yeah. Sure. But, the, you know, the, the bigger the, th- Well, here's the story. The Earth is... So back in... Shooting its spitball of magnetic matter. The sun is... The sun, excuse me, not the Earth. Okay. So back in uh, 1859, there was something called the Carrington event. And that was the most intense magnetic storm recorded in history. And what was seen at that point in time was... uh, widespread electrical disruption telegraph that was the only thing around at that time that could have got affected were severely damaged and there was even uh sight of the aurora as far south as the caribbean islands and also in texas so that's how intense this thing was um that's strong the yeah you know the probability it's predicted of having one of these big solar flare events uh, or a big CME uh, is really very high over the next 50 years. Um, There's also things called super flares, which have have been documented as 10,000 times that of what we would typically see of a regular solar flare associated with our sun. The super flares uh, are attributed to other stars uh, that exist in the galaxy, and there's nine candidates that physicists and astrophysicists have have narrowed down as potential sources for these things. But if you had a super flare, we could we could be toasted as far as certainly electronic stuff. Because in the 50s, they didn't have like, you know. Um, sensitive magnetic sensitive electronics like we did you know not everyone's no one was carrying around your your radio wouldn't work and your you know (coughs) tv and it would go for a while but it would probably come back so So. anyways what do we got here that's the article about mike whetstone oh creepy it is creepy what was his number? I don't even know what his number was. He was a class of 1986, yeah. and he and he was inducted induction in, 1989. And was, he died three days after the 1988 national championship. He's a, that's kind of a creepy picture too that you're showing me. So is this something that we should be afraid of? I mean, you're talking next 50 years. It would pretty much knock everything out. Like I definitely probably wouldn't be able to watch the hockey game. I, you know, I think there are um, there. There was some talk, especially after 2012. Uh, you, there are things that can be placed in there, um, uh, like you'd put on a computer that would. Um, what do you call it? That um, 
if you have a power surge. Oh, a surge, a surge protector. protector. Yeah, basically a surge protector. Can and we that, get a surge protector for all of Earth? Well, I, I, you know, I don't know. I think it's uh, more designed for networks, uh, you know, uh, it, on that level. Um, yeah, a surge protector on a computer would probably, a uh, standard surge protector would probably keep it, you know, save it from being fried. But, but it, not, you're right, at that level, I don't know. I, I mean, at just, that level. Yeah. Teslas are stopping everywhere on the side of the road, oh, not what, working what, anymore. What a shame. <laughs> what would the world do? Thor would be flying by in his old pickup, just a black cloud. That's right. Burning those hydrocarbons. I think you could survive a solar solar super super flare up here. You know? Pretty sure. Yeah. You'd be safe. So should I be afraid every time I see the northern lights that possibly something um, worse that could be happening? Does it usually happen as a uh, result of something or before? Do we see it as like a preliminary... Excuse me, preliminary, um, kind of like okay, it's happening now. We're seeing it, or is it's it, already it's, happened? It's already happened. Yeah. So it's a byproduct of what's of it happening of a solar flare. But I, you know, the prediction, you know, these KP values, people are they that measuring this? this? There, there's it's a KP index and a K index, and the K index is something that would be done at a local there's monitoring stations throughout the world the kp index is an accumulation of the individual k indexes and they come up with this value the like one average. nine average sure and yeah. there's even talk that that there essentially isn't even a predictability of it they're trying okay. they're trying to read the photons that are coming towards the earth and the the, the concentration are they doing that with like a telescope no. Well, no, well they, if you look at the site, they, there's even pictures of the sun. So they do look at it. I mean, astronomers yeah. look at it, can tell when you've had a, a, a CME yeah. occur in this thing. Okay. okay. Um, let me get this up for you. You can't obviously Wasn't see Wasn't there supposed and we always like a portion of the show where we talk about things we don't really necessarily know about, but we're interested in. I'm interested in and would like to know more about, didn't they just launch a new... Uh, telescope? Oh my gosh, that looks crazy. Look at the blue one. Wow. Didn't they just launch the largest? Something like it made Hubble look like a freaking... Yeah, they're, that, I like, don't know. Like, I don't really like know Coke much, bottle glasses? No, much about it. Weren't but. we supposed to be able to see in the next dimension and everyone was super f- afraid of it? But yeah. I don't know anything about it. But So today right here, our KP index is two. There's 1% chance of seeing northern lights in our current location. Hmm. But the best location is you can go to uh, Quebec, you can go to Iceland. Well, I, I just feel like Iceland has them every night. Yeah, I think. I think Norway, Norway Sweden, North, Finland, twelve percent. Uh, well, even even the Inuits in Alaska, they used to think of the that was the the gods playing catch with walrus skulls. Exploring strange new worlds, understanding the origins of the universe, searching for life in the galaxy. These are not the plot of the new science fiction movie, but the mission objectives of the James Webb Space Telescope, the long-awaited successor of the Hubble Telescope. On Christmas, NASA launched the Webb from um, from France with the European Space with help from the, the European Space Agency and Canadian Space Agency. Oh yeah, the Canucks were helping. Hey, yeah. Well, now the go, telescope hey. is on its way to point. Uh, it's on its way to a point nearly a million miles away. Yeah. So we're sending this thing a million miles away. 
Um, on its journey, the telescope has to complete a difficult mechanical maneuver, assembling itself. Yeah. The telescope is so large, it needed a launch. It needed, or excuse me, it needed to launch folded up inside a rocket. Over the course of several weeks, it needs to, it needs to unfur um, its various compo- components from its sun shield to its mirrors. According to NASA, more than 300 potential technical problems or single point failures could potentially doom the mission. It's also the most expensive of its kind. Well, I can tell you just from from the time that the Hubble telescope was launched, what the information that they've gained. At the time that the Hubble telescope was launched, we didn't really have any idea what was out in deep space. I mean, we you know we knew the Andromeda galaxy was there, and we knew a few other, other galaxies were there, maybe 15, 20 others. But when they got the Hubble, did the deep space field study where they took one pinpoint and they went back and they you can based on the color of the of the image it was based on how how old that galaxy might be because of how far the way the light is well in that in that study when they started figuring out that they figured out that there's probably a billion galaxies out there just like our own not not a, at one point they said 100 million that sounded like a light now they've figured out that there's probably a, a billion well who's to say that with this new telescope we can maybe look back as far as the moment of creation big that's bang what, exactly I mean, that's, that's what they're saying that's what the big scary that's part is. the big scary part is that you know when you go back to whatever that was that was that was a moment that it says, time, time was different at the moment of creation the I web know. will surpass the hubble in several ways it will allow astronomers to look not only farther out into space than ever before it will search for the first stars and galaxies of the universe. The very first. The very first. Because you can read the light. Stars as far, and galaxies as far back of as... the universe. It will allow scientists to make careful studies in numerous exoplanets, planets that orbit stars other than our sun. The uh, the Hubble right now is is reaching back about thirteen and a half billion years. They need to get to that fourteen billion years to really kind of figure out. The next steps, like the next, the next step. level. Yeah, they're saying that they're think they got it pretty. They got it pinpointed to the first stars and planets. Well, the first stars and planets were. Uh, if you talk about the moment of, if if the Big Bang theory is effective and and is real, those very first moments where they what you talk about inflation, where the universe was expanding at at such a rate where time was. Time just didn't make any difference because in milliseconds the the universe had expanded to billions and billions and billions of miles within milliseconds. So what does time have to do with that? I mean, our perception of time. So if you can get this thing to get back and get a peek of what happened at that, a lot of things are going to change in in how we think about things. 100 and times more powerful than the Hubble. That's that's absolutely incredible. It's mind-blowing. The, the Hubble be- has brought back stuff and shown you things that you can't even fathom. Well, the, the Beatles said it best. Time is time. Yeah. It's it's a human creation. Yeah. And I mean to yeah. take to to if you I mean I don't want to get too deep here, but you know what I'm saying I don't want to blow anybody's mind tonight, but if you really think about it, you know, we're really the only creature that and that keeps time that 
observes time. Well, let's say just a second. The only creature we know about. Well, no, no, no. But I guess I think I think like animals have a natural on, clock, on right? Yeah. Sure. We have a conscience time clock, right? We're we're essentially explaining something with a word we've all agreed to to use that word. You no, know? this is we're going to jump into something that just drives me crazy. Okay. So grinds my what grinds so, your gears. So here here's just little. Milky Way galaxy here sitting out here in space. So now we know that there's a billion other galaxies like we have. What are the odds that there's life out there? I think it, I think it's just absolutely you know, ludicrous to believe that there's yeah, not. There, There's some guy, and, and I can look that up next time, that has really done a probability study on this. Like the mathematics? It, it's, it's just examining uh, things like distance from the sun whatever their sun would be in that galaxy and then trying to equate that into presence of water atmospheres and all the things that we think that would traditionally support the life that we know um and and the number you know again there's a comprehension with infinity but it's it's not as probable as most people think according to this guy and he makes a very logical argument on solar systems and galaxies and whatever that support life or could support life so but you know the foundation of life that came up that sprung up on earth when earth was formed it was formed like 14 billion years ago and it was a boiling you know cauldron of you know just boiling rock at one point but out of that, the materials th- that would create life came out of that. You know, so life sprung up on Earth, you know, quite a long time ago. And we had all, we've had all kinds of species come and go from the planet. But, but again, the, it wasn't the Earth that sprung the light. It was our solar system that permitted ex- that to occur, exploding star? which means you're exploding. talking about distance from sun. You're talking about ideal atmospheric. And, and, you and know. if you take... This at this, we don't even know about our own galaxy. We have no idea how many planets could support life. They're finding out more and more. Of the I thing. thought that they came out and said that they found one. Another too one. far away. It, There's a multiple planets we think that can. Yeah, right. Yeah, but we uh, found them. There's supposed to be something beyond Pluto in there, or something. Like yeah, P- I mean, it's thirteen in the, it's or whatever the, they named it, yeah, or whatever the hell it is. I think it's the Vega star in that area. They think, but I mean, we're not talking about our galaxy. We're talking about. A billion other galaxies, not not talking about solar system. We're talking about galaxies. That's why this whole comprehension of this of this these is, guys. It's like how the how the heck are these guys so far ahead? Okay, with well, this telescope technology. So if just from the perspective of time and something we can re- relate to, if you're traveling at the speed of light, which is what six thousand feet per second, I I. I I can't remember exactly what the equation is. But so just to get across our galaxy at the speed of life, you're talking 70,000 years just across our galaxy. And and how far is it to the next galaxy? It's another probably three times that distance. Dude, you you need to put the task. 186,000 miles per second. How much? 186,000 miles miles per per second. That sounds more like it. So there are a number of planets that we have determined can 
you, sustain life. You better is, put the taskers away and pull out the weed, man. Because, let's do it, bro. <laughs> because this is right really on. heavy, man. It's getting real you mean heavy like, in here, man. Like we could be like a molecule on an you know, ant. But unfortunately, really it's it's a very big reality of the world we live in. I it mean, is. all this is going on. When we look up at the sky, it's like, yeah, what's going on? We are out nothing. There? We are yeah. we are a speck of dust on a speck of dust on a speck of dust. Yep. Kepler. 1649C is the planet. It's 19.5 days, or excuse me, 19.5 days away at light speed. So you'd have to travel at 187,000 miles per hour per, se- per, per second, second for 19.5 days. And you would make it to Kepler 1649C. Also, we have Proxima Centuria, which is 11 light days away. Um, and then also Gliese 1061, 13 light days away. And this the list goes on. There's 44 more of them. So, I want to look at one of those 1 billion galaxies that are out there. And, and I think with the new telescope, what they're trying to prove is that they're actually trying to find life. This These are planets that have criteria in which we feel could support life. That doesn't mean that they've found life. Something more, more supportive of what I'm seeing is that it isn't that long ago that Columbus was going on, on a ship and they thought he would fall off the edge of the earth because it was flat. Yeah. We are those people now. We are right those now. people right we now. We are the again. people sitting on the coast that watched Columbus sail away yep. thinking that the earth was, was flat, flat. Yep. which it may be, depending on what you believe. Yeah. Um, And also that he was going to, they thought he was dead, you know. It'd be like shooting a guy in a rocket. Yeah, because he was going to fall off. He's going to fall off the edge of the earth and go into space. Yeah, it's crazy. It really is. And that in in the in the history of time, that's such a minute amount of time ago. And look where we've come, and just in the last since Hubble was invented, what we've figured out and see and. We know about. It's perplexing to think that they can look with a with a with a microscope or with a telescope, with a with a with a tool, yeah. can look back in time, yeah, based off of the light that was emitted, how far away. It's like, who is figuring this type well, of shit out? I mean, that's technically it. it it's probably the re- converse is true, right? You're not looking back in time. You're just. Looking at so it. delayed, you're you know you're seeing the delayed picture of what happened. But but they're looking farther time. back in the delay. They're getting closer to sure, the beginning. Sure, sure, right? getting sure. close to the beginning. Because yeah. you're looking back. What what well, your the light? The stars we're looking at have been burnt out for thousands of years, probably. Not, right? Not, right? Not really. Is that true? No, not not the stars we're seeing. They're all no? they're all active. Okay. I mean, if you're looking up and you're seeing another. There's places where you can look up and see. You can, might be able to see through a star with proper magnification. You might actually be seeing another galaxy, but that's very rare. And so the theory they pretty like much have a good the theory rumor of that. Like you're, the stars you're seeing are burnt out. It's probably not true. That's not true. Okay, because what the stars that are there are within, you know, reasonable amount of light years. But as at the same time, as I just said. To travel across this galaxy at the speed of light is 70,000 years. So, yes, you could be correct in that some of those would be burned out. But our with our current telescope technology, they would know. They would say, well, that one's not there. They so would what, tell you. What are we seeing when we look at a shooting star then? Is that something entering the atmosphere? Yeah. 
That's just a piece Is that of, like a meteorite entering the atmosphere? That's just remnants of the Big Bang. Just things flying through space? That's just stuff that's left over from the creational moment. I mean, that's just stuff that's all, all over the dust that you have in your house. That's just residual dust from the Big Bang. That's all that is. Burning through the... It's all just here because this is left over from the moment. Of, but when you're seeing... When you're seeing a shooting star enter, like when you're seeing it, you know what I'm talking about. You yeah. see that flash and then it burns out? Yep. That's something burning through the atmosphere? Yep. The atmosphere burns it up. It, hmm. It's like what, you know, when they It's like what would happen if you tried to enter the atmosphere with, not at an arc. Well, do you remember when uh, the Columbia Space Shuttle came in and they had lost their heat tiles? I don't remember. Yeah. Well, they didn't make it because they burnt up yeah they burnt up because when you enter the atmosphere at the speed they come in it's so hot it gets so it generates is that why they normally come in on an arc right because you have to come in slowly they have you don't just drop straight down through it right you you have you have to come in at a specific angle otherwise you will burn (coughs) yeah i've seen enough movies to know that and then if the the apollo 13 movie yeah yeah the apollo 13 when they re-entered that was i think like Mission to Mars really emphasized that whole, and like using other planets' gravitational pull to to they do that. I mean, you know, oh, that's that's physics. That's nor yeah, right. They they shoot off one to get to another. get to another. Yeah, yep. They go around and use it as a slingshot. I still think the guy how, that got in the first fucking rocket, right? What is it? What was it Sputnik? What was well, it? No, Sputnik was a satellite. It was a satellite. So the first yeah. manned the Yuri. Mer- yeah. Yuri, uh, yeah. Wasn't the Russians, right? Or Russian, yeah. 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 To get in that, essentially what would be the equivalent of like a vintage sled. Yeah. Like for us, you know. Not even that. It was a tin can. That's what I'm saying. But if you too. look at like, yeah. you look at a vintage sled, right? Or an old car. Well, just think Like about, a Model T. Just think about this. Get, get in a 1969 Chevelle and take that to the moon with the technology. And that's right. What, that's what we were going to the moon with. In right. The, in the 69. But the Chevelle head was made out of American-made steel. This is made out of... He got into something that had thinner metal than... Oh, you, I mean, you look at airplanes, right? Yeah. And you get in, like, you look at an old airplane, like yeah. warplanes, yep. and the aluminum construction that they're made out of, Yeah. it's like a freaking pop can. Yep. Can well, you imagine getting in that and being like, we're going to shoot you to someone that no one's ever been? Well, let's put it this way. Those those guys that did that in that era, they had fucking balls. Fucking death they had, wish. They had balls bigger than... <laughs> Cantaloupes. Yeah. He died at age 34. I'm not sure what killed him. but He did? Yeah. Radiation, probably. And I'm also not sure how high those guys actually went. Because, yeah, there's a bunch of, say, like, now with this. Because I'm not sure they. They took Alex Trebek to space. But well, you the can... controversy is is that this Jeff Bezos and, and uh, this new space frontier that everyone's trying to, yeah. you know, essentially we're hearing about. They're not actually getting to space. They're, well, they're calling not. it space. There's like 25 levels, right? Yeah, there's 25 layers. Yeah, you can get you know 25 miles up, and then at 25 miles you start getting darkness. Right, and that's about. They're probably going above that by a little bit, but there's a big difference between doing that. But what's considered and orbiting? And, and orbiting, yeah. yeah, yeah. You have to you have to be at the speed of 17,000 between 17,000 20,000 miles per hour to break free of the Earth's atmosphere. That's why that's why they kept accelerating and accelerating to get break free and they would make that slingshot to the moon. But I don't know if we're getting off, but 
No, I mean, this is it's our show. We can do whatever we want to. This is, uh, I mean, this is all reality of our world, and what what this new telescope is going to bring to us in the next twenty years, it's it's going to be it's going to be amazing what what we're going to find out. It's unbelievable. So, it's about two hundred. So the aurora borealis, um, it's at, okay. So it's at about two hundred kilometers above the earth or above the ground mm-hmm. the same oddly enough uh like the sounding rocket or the rockets that take the shuttles to space yep it's around that same area that they cut off and come back yeah you're in you're in that upper level of the atmosphere where you're getting those reactions the lanosphere uh it's crazy we're not talking about the stratosphere here no no no, no. so but that that that's what i was told is that this whole space race, this Jeff Bezos thing, they took out. They took Alex Trebek. The they're getting in some trouble. They they're the FFA or whatever isn't allowing. They're taking off with. Um, they lied on some of their flight records and things, so they're kind of trying to shut them down. It was like a bit of a space race between Elon and Jeff Bezos. They were kind of having like a fight, but he had come out and said that they're not actually making it to space. They're, they're making it to like level twenty or fifteen of like twenty five or something. Well, just as an example, I remember a, a test that they'd done where they took this is one of the very first tests where they took a guy up and they put him up up in a, a balloon and they took him up to twenty five miles. And they put him in a spacesuit and this crazy guy at twenty five miles up, it's dark and he's in space, he jumped he hops yeah. out of this thing and free falls to Earth. He's free falling at 850 miles per hour. Yeah, to he went Earth. up to the edge of the stratosphere. Right right? Up, yeah, he yeah. went right that up. That was to that the Red Bull thing. He, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that hydro balloon. Well, this was before. This was before that guy. This was done in in the in the early space race days. Oh, really? Just to test things. They just did it again. And I know. They, I know. Yeah, I know they did. But this was done many years ago. And this guy, this guy had you know, and he had no idea what it was going to be like. He got in a hot air balloon. Got in, it was it was a balloon. It was a weather balloon type thing, and yeah. they took him up as high as that thing would go until it wouldn't go any harther. Yeah, and he, and he jumped out, get, and he hops out, and he's he's free falling at eight hundred and fifty miles per hour. And you, let me, you know, if you're in within the atmosphere normally, you you can't fall at a speed higher than one hundred and twenty six miles an hour, terminal velocity. But when you're farther up, there's less atmosphere, more less resistance. Mm-hmm. So you can fall at a higher speed. So I mean, these people were pioneers, and they had they were they had I I don't know even how to explain them. A death wish. Yeah, I think that I mean just not caring. Well, there was like this weird thing back then in that era, like the '30s and '40s, with like thrill seekers and things. People, you know, iron workers at that time. Niagara Falls in a barrel. Yeah. Yep. Like just it was like a, a pastime for people to just you know you know like roller skating at the top of the Empire State Building and mm-hmm. swinging a dancer lady out you know things like that just a just kind of throwing so much caution it, to the wind so much of it was just in an, in an effort to try and keep up with the other countries that were doing what they were doing right for us it was the space races with the Russians the Russians were a threat as we should always understand that they probably always are a threat. How do you guys feel about the Space Force? It's a real thing, right? It's it's a real thing, but I don't think it's being taken totally seriously. I think it should be. 
Well, absolutely. I mean, much of our much of our defense system is through space right now. I mean, satellite interception. Supposedly, uh, the uh, the United laser. States government has a has a. I think it's called the Ark, and it's in my it's conspiracy theory at this point to me. But they have a weapon that they can drop like some sort of not titanium, but some precious metal rod from space, like on the size of like a basketball. And it will, when it hits the ground, like, I guess it, it just like vaporizes the atmosphere or something like it, it burns so hot. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? That it supposedly they have like, it's called like the arc of the heavens. Mar- that's like a it's, mini big bang is what you're talking. Oh, it's just a badass weapon that drops from the sky. Could you imagine? Like, we think drones are scary. Could you imagine satellite weaponry to where you just wait until you get over the top of whatever you want to decimate and you drop a freaking... Basketball. A basketball, yeah. A rod. Mm-hmm. Like a 10-ton rod. The reason that people think it's bullshit is because it would cost so much money to get those up, you know? That's the whole space race, right? Well, That's why SpaceX is kind of... They've been pioneering the space front lately is because they have reusable rockets. You know, and going back in time a little bit, you got President Ronald Reagan, who was an actor. But his acting skills were monumental in the history of the of the world for the last 40 years. Ronald Reagan convinced the Soviet Union that we had Star Wars defense system that was fully functional and could take out anything from space. He had the Soviet Union so in disarray in in the selling of that this system that we, that we did not that we system. didn't have. What a flex. And he he had them convinced it it crushed the Soviet Union as we know it with that just that that little good acting job that There's Ronald did. There's nothing to fear but fear itself, huh? That's right. Good job, and, Reagan. It, I mean, he did. I mean, he just he just nailed it. Wow. And he destroyed the Soviet Union as we know it by by selling by selling fake space missiles. I mean, he got he got the same designers from Star Wars movies to go in and show it what we had to create this Star Wars defense system, so we could knock out any missile, anything else. So the Russians were sticking sticking money into things, and it bankrupt them trying to keep up with us for things that we didn't have. And so, then when they got up there, they're like, "Oh, they're full of shit." No, I'm they, just joking. They, they were I'm uh, joking. No, they never got. They never bonds though. They, they never got up there, and it, they just they bankrupt themselves and destroyed what was a very powerful threat to the United States. Well, um, I'd say it's very informative for me. Um, pretty cool. We took it a little different this time with with the space talk, um, but really proven science is scarier just as scary if not scarier than the things that we don't know and yeah, you don't I think have it's to good make to think stuff about up that. yeah you, uh, you don't no and there's so many realities out there that we'd have no idea about and that's why i say this new satellite is going to create new realities for us there it might be scary for people and one day one day it's just going to come upon us and they go oh there is life there and that back to that fa- day back to Facebook that that day that day will come, and, and it may not be in our lifetime, but it will come in some day. For what we can tell, it may be sooner than we think. Yeah, it's but until then, um, 
always keep keep a look over your shoulder. Maybe a light on. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, Thor, thank you. Dr. B, thank you. Pleasure. Um, this always has pleasure. been another episode of the Area 61 podcast. Thank you for listening. 10-4. <laughs>